The reason that our country is in the mess that it is in today is not because of the Republicans, it's not because of the Democrats. Let me tell you this, it's because of lame Christians. There is a reproach that comes with being a follower of Christ. We in America have tried to reshape the whole church so that it's palatable and likable in the culture. A church that is accepted well with the culture is usually not accepted well with Christ. The church is a fortress, and a fortress is strength. A fortress is might. Not only a center of defense, but a place of strategic planning and offense. Our God does not expect us to wait for the darkness to enclose around us. He expects us to take up His banner and fight the darkness with His light. You want to know what the biggest problem with America is? The wolf is this country. Gave in. Gave in to public pressure. Gave in to political correctness. One of the greatest curses this country has ever had to deal with is political correctness. Preparing the Christian to shine the light against the darkness of this world. Welcome to Our Mighty Fortress Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Miller, and welcome to the show. We have a very interesting subject to cover today, but first, please go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button on the podcast platform on which you're listening to us upon. We have several social media platforms with all sorts of material that you can listen to and read. Be sure to check out our ever-growing fan page on Facebook when you type in the search bar, the at symbol, Mighty Fortress 313. You can also visit our website, OurMightyFortress.com, where we have all the hosts of media there, where it's articles and videos, and even a link to our merch store to help support the work. If you do feel so motivated to donate to the work that we do here, feel free to do so through our website in the established PayPal link. By following and supporting the podcast, you let me know that you care about the subjects that we discuss. Today, I would like to talk about what it means to be a hero. I grew up on Marvel Comics as a little kid, and I was just absolutely fascinated with various kinds of heroes. It enlightens your imagination, and I had a, lot, a huge imagination as a kid. And you don't necessarily, obviously, you know it's not real, but as a kid, you're like, wow, superpowers this or whatever. I remember one of my favorites growing up was Spider Man. Some of us may have grown up with Batman or Superman, but if you want a true hero fan, you got to stick with Marvel Comics, I guess. <laughs> Just kidding. I actually grew up with Batman as well. I remember telling some friends recently that being Superman was impossible, but anybody can be a Batman. <laughs> well, I guess if you're a billionaire anyways. <laughs> well, I guess it, you probably couldn't because all the government surveillance, they totally find out who you were right away, right? <laughs> now, actually, that is what probably made you know Batman's story appealing to many people was that, wow, it was very human-like, something they could attain theoretically. We all have a preconceived idea of what we define as heroism. And it can range from, you know, the movies that we watch to the acts of normal people who rise to the call for some uh, dangerous type of situation. First, we're going to analyze what it truly means to be a hero with the character traits involved. In this, we're also going to look at our culture and various storylines that they've tried to develop and inspire heroism. This is pretty fascinating because it seems as though 
there is a cry for a hero to emerge in our culture. This idea is currently illustrated in government, but that's not the answer that we need. It's also going to be very important to note that we need a hero in our society, and especially if it's going to survive. To finish, we will then look at the hero that will eventually emerge in the end and the hope that he brings to the world. With that introduction, let's get right into this. Someone could look at the chaos and hate taking place all around us in this world, and there would be this innate feeling inside us that just cries out for truth and justice. There will be this feeling that there just has to be somebody to stand up against the evil and the injustices of this world. There are many who see and make this observation, but they themselves are not willing to do it. But who are they looking for? This is where the stories of heroes, whether natural, supernatural, derive their being. There are different ideas as to what makes a hero, but how do we truly define heroism? In her article, What Makes a Hero?, journalist Jennifer Emmert states, quote, A hero is selfless, a genuinely good person, and someone who gets the undivided attention of us all and causes change, someone willing to risk their own life to save another, end quote. Now, that's a pretty interesting definition. I wouldn't necessarily make that an absolute variant, but it's not bad. These are pretty basic characteristics of a hero, especially what we would call a super, superhero's character. But the question is, if there's more to it. For instance, do heroes have to be a genuinely good person, as the journalist stated? Of course, when it comes to morality, that is relative unless you have a starting point, but it also seems that there are plenty of acts of heroism that don't necessarily have to come from good people. We see heroes in the stories such as Superman or Batman or the Avengers, but there are others who see their parents as heroes. Journalist Robert Sanders says that, quote, a hero is somebody that you look up to and you know that you try to be like, end quote. This definitely adds a few new values to the definition of a hero. This is not an either-or scenario, but I would say that it's combined with our previous definition, but it's not all-encompassing. It is interesting that even those that we would deem as having bad character overall could, in fact, be heroes at some point. Everyone has moral lines that they will not cross, while other parts they may find relative. A good example of this, and it's very ironic, that even in the most hardcore of prisons, a man could have multiple murders on his resume or some other crimes, but he can overwhelmingly hate a child molester. This hate among inmates is so strong that those charged with those types of um, molestation crimes have to be separated from the normal population of inmates because of his, if his heinous crime is found out amongst the other inmates, they will kill him. 
Like I said, that's awfully ironic in a sense, but the point is made that everyone has moral lines. We'll talk more about that at the end, but there are superhero characters that fit all sorts of descriptions. Some of these characters can even have a tinge of so-called evil, but all have moral lines. You know, being a Spider-Man comic book uh, fan as a kid, I remember the villain slash hero, Venom. The character has a backstory of being in contention with Spider-Man, and they started off as enemies. Venom would eventually do things that would be considered heroic, though it would not be the same kind of choices that Spider-Man himself would make. You almost have a justice by doing evil and justice by doing good comparison. It's very fascinating. They both save people from being robbed, but while Spider-Man ties up the bad guys for the police to take into custody, Venom, on the other hand, just eats them. <laughs> this almost seemed like a moral paradox in a sense, and it kind of is. I remember as a kid having the first issue of Venom's comic book, and it had this glossy red cover. It's kind of funny. But these kinds of stories of heroes appeal to people because... We would like to think that there was ultimately good in the midst of evil. And in that comparison between Spider-Man and Venom, there's also a side thought that goes with that. Because you have what should be done, what Spider-Man would do, right? You know, tie up the bad guys and wait for the cops to come. But then you have Venom, who would do what all of us would think to do with evil, if given the chance. For instance, if you think that's not the case, what would you do to somebody who molested your child? Would you take the Spider-Man approach or would you go the Venom route? So those are just illustrations of two sides of the coin. And we'll definitely talk about morality at the end of this. But in a way, there is a sense of subjectiveness to the definition of what it means to be a hero. As long as a person can fit, say, certain moral categories with their actions, they can have the result of being labeled a hero. While Hollywood would choose to depict heroes in some sort of superhuman kind of fashion, we have many local heroes that risk their lives every day all around us. There are professions that you can go into and you might be required to pull off something heroic. Now, <laughs> it doesn't mean that you will, but It'll give you the opportunity to rise to the occasion. You have firefighters, EMTs, police, and even military can fit this description. When a house is burning down, that group of firefighters should bravely run into the midst of the flame despite their fears to save some lone person left behind. That is heroism. Now, being in Southern California... We have a lot of forest fires, and there are a lot of fire, uh, forest firefighters here that do very much the same thing, trying to curb the forest fires away from um, population of, of whatever city or people. And those there have been men who give their lives in that case because forest fires are very, very dangerous, very dangerous and, and intense. I know plenty of of forest firefighters that you know i respect them just as much as a uh, city firefighter 
And then you have emergency medical technicians or EMTs. They're the men and women who show up in the ambulance or the fire vehicles. And they keep the person having a medical emergency alive as they're being transferred to the hospital. I can't imagine the stress on a person's mind and heart as they sit inside an ambulance and if the patient they do all they can to save this person and keep them alive and that person still dies i mean it weighs on these people and it's not an easy job then there are police officers which have been filled with controversy of late because that blade on that sword goes two ways where they can be the hero and the villain very interesting we can say that the generally good police officer will experience times where they're having to face their fears and fight an enemy. That call comes when there's a suspect shooting people in public and the officers on the scene have to make sure that, man, they get to that suspect as fast as possible and run towards the sound of gunshots. I mean, that you have to overcome a fear knowing that you have the potential of dying the fight or flight that takes place inside a person. Well, not everybody, even if they're a police officer, makes the right decision. There was a, a case just recently where an elementary school had a shooter, but the police hung out outside out of fear. Now, no matter what you say about that situation, we can all come to the agreement that, yes, the police should have came in there a lot sooner and, and probably many of the children's lives could have been saved. But... They're on the flip side of the coin where you have officers who have ar arrived at a scene very much similar to that, and they bravely charged down the enemy and took him down to save people's lives. And even in this illustration between the two si or two actions of two different police departments, you see the rise of the call to be a hero and how one responds and then the other responds. And we also have to keep in mind that even if you confront a suspect that's firing and trying to hurt people or firing at you, you have to somehow fire back or take down the suspect without hurting the people around him. Being under pressure, of course, this isn't always the easiest thing to do. Finally, among more local heroes, there are the men and women who serve in our armed forces. I would classify these both local and national because it's very easy to forget that these people come from towns and cities all over the country. People that you know. I was formerly in the Marine Corps. We all want to make a difference in some grand fashion for our hometown and or our nation. Whether one agrees or disagrees with the military actions that may take place around the world, the fact of the matter is that these members have little to do with the decisions of Washington, D.C. The men in war live and die for one another. And there are several tiers of awards to decorate members for acts of heroism. The grand award for the heroism that most know is the Medal of Honor. It takes a special kind of person to run into a hail of machine gun fire and explosions, to go and pick up your wounded friend and carry him back to safety. And maybe even have to do that over and over again with multiple people. There are so many stories of heroism in war I could tell literally for hours. Some of these stories I tell in podcast number 38, Remembering the Fallen. So be sure to check that one out. Heroism can come from acts of bravery from a regular person too. For example, 
Maybe it's that bystander who sees a man who is in need of CPR, but instead of watching him choke and die or have the struggles, he steps in to save that person's life, he or she. Another who rushes into a fiery building before the firefighters get to the scene and rescues a passed out person in the midst of the fire. It can be that mother who in some call of extraordinary strength saves her child from certain death. It can be that lifeguard who jumps in the ocean or pool to save someone from drowning. Heroes can be remembered in history for their selfless acts of bravery, but there are many more that go unnamed and forgotten. Their impact upon people's lives is no less of value and it's made all the difference in the world to those individuals that they saved. These people may not have epics written about them, or songs sung about their uh, ventures, or movies made about their heroic actions, but their impact, nonetheless, is still felt among generations of people. Heroism can be seen at the local levels, but we need, even now, more than ever, for there to be voices at the national level to take a stand. The shadow of socialism is spreading over the land, and many don't see the dangers that lie before them. The acts of politicians in Washington, you know, they impact our towns and cities all over the nation, and we have to start calling a spade a spade. An evil has risen up among us here in America, and we have stood by while it rampaged through our nation. Heroism is based upon moral values, moral values that come from God. And we need to realize our roots in which this nation was founded. Once upon a time, local heroes rose up to face what was then the most powerful nation in the world at the time, and that was Great Britain. The founding fathers of this nation had no clue how all of it was going to turn out. And we often take that for granted, actually. And look, there were believers mixed among that crowd, those who were Christians, and many of the founding fathers were not. But they still believed in Christian moral values. Imagine, the colonists fought for independence, and the British army was wrecking American towns and cities and, hand, and handing the colonial army loss after loss. These men had no clue how the revolution was going to turn out, but they made their stand nonetheless. They're now remembered in history for their heroism. There would not be a story to tell if they just backed down from their moral obligations. This reminds me of another heroic epic when you have the Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien and the two towers in the Battle of Helm's Deep. The fortress had been breached by the evil characters or the orc army and they were marching onto the keep. And as the king looked over the orcish horde, one of the other main characters, Aragon, was asked by the king of Rohan, what are men to do in the face of such reckless hate? Aragon's response and true response of a hero and what we expect of a hero was, ride out and face them one last time. The king would heed that advice and the men would rally to their king and turn the tide of the battle. This situation is not just played out in some war scenario, but in our everyday lives when we face great and traumatic challenges. Do we accept defeat and death? 
or do we ride out to meet the enemy face to face? If you meet your end, let it be in the most glorious fashion. People are remembered for the acts they conduct, which are out of the ordinary and are oftentimes dangerous. We need men and women of character who will choose to stand up for Christian values and for Christ in this nation. We need pastors to stand up and face down the government itself if need be and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and all of the word of God, all of it, even the parts they don't like. Yes, the enemy around us is fierce. But if no one takes a stand, then the whole nation will fall. I liken the evils of globalism and socialism and communism as the orcish whores that surrounded Helm's Deep. Someone has to take a stand against the evil. And if it's not you, then take a stand next to someone who will lead the way. There are currently men and women now who are making a stand, and we need that now more than ever. We talk of justice and freedom, but all of which are found within Jesus Christ and the God of this nation and, and, and the foundation of this nation in which the uh, principles were, were set upon. Of course, the Founding Fathers did not want a particular church to rule over the government, but all the Founding Fathers assumed Judeo-Christian morality as the foundational framework for this nation. Government and the moral framework in which it sets are two different entities. And if you rip away the foundation, then the government can literally do what it pleases. We see that more than ever today with the U.S. government trampling over the rights of its people. What guidelines are we to use to keep the government in check? The Constitution can be used to justify anything if you don't have moral values associated with it. They can sling the Constitution to justify pedophilia and child molestation and murders and all, and all sorts of stuff. They're trying to pull some of these shenanigans now. Law and justice itself seems to be falling in the streets, as the Old Testament prophet had said. Is the American nation the most ideal that God has set forth or something? Well, no, of course not. But we men in this nation especially should stand up and, no matter what government's in charge, stand up and stare down that government and strive to make the change, a change that God would want to see inside a nation. Too many are willing to back down and not choose to be the hero. Remember, heroes are remembered for extraordinary deeds. Those who cower and tuck tail in fear are the ones that are oppressed and forgotten. There has to be more people who will say enough is enough and stand together against the evil that is flooding this nation. Those who are willing to go the whole way to get rid of evil in this nation. Not just keep evil at bay, but to totally annihilate it. More often than not, heroes are not the people who are well known to begin with. They come from all parts of life and come from all over the socio-economical scale. Evil, remember this, evil will only prevail if good men do nothing. But not only this, those same men must stand unified.
English philosopher Edmund Burke once said, quote, When bad men combine, the good men must associate, else they will fall one by one, an unpitied sacrifice when a contemptible struggle, end quote. What is he saying? He is saying that if we stand one by one, evil will prevail. But in unity, we can have the power to fight back. Of course, if we just stand idly by and do nothing, then we'll just end up as the English philosopher John Stuart Mill had wrote in the 1860s. He said, quote, Bad men need nothing more to compass their ends than that good men should look on and do nothing. End quote. When you stand up for what is right, or when you make what is considered that heroic stand, there may be those who will stand against you, but you may very well be surprised who will stand alongside you. A leader, a hero, must make a stand. There may be even a large number of such who do so. Once upon a time, not that long ago, there was a large portion of America who chose to stand on the side of liberty. There used to be a time in which someone could politically or socially disagree but not want to kill one another. There used to be a large portion of America that stood upon Christian principles in this nation. As the years passed, though, that majority slowly crept into being an equal force with the enemy of liberty and the enemies of the gospel. Now, it almost seems as those who love liberty or love Christianity or love God and love the Bible, love the gospel, those, that crowd is shrinking more and more and are surrounded by the enemy. You know, in the story of Batman, there was an evil character called Two-Face. His original name was Harvey Dent. And the story began with this particular character was inspired by Batman's actions. And he wanted to legally tackle the crime uh, as the district attorney. Now, when he had his tragic accident, you kind of had a, a Spider-Man Venom example that I gave earlier. Now he takes justice into his, his own hands. But when Batman, in his ulti, uh, alternate ego, Bruce Wayne, had challenged his, the sincerity on this matter of Harvey uh, when he was still the attorney... Harvey Dent said, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Now, this is just a movie quote, but boy, those words are profound if you really think about it. I am a huge fan of history, and if you really think about that, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Look back through history. Think of what I had said previously about the switching of majorities of people, even in this nation. If you stand for right long enough, you can, in fact, see yourself start to become the villain as the opposing side grows in number and strength. Does this somehow change the moral nature on what you stand upon? No. Morality is not defined by a majority. Rather, it's defined by the God in heaven that gave us such moral principles found in his word. There are many stories in the Bible and that have prophets of God preaching and speaking out against the evils of a nation, the eighth nation of Israel at the time. And 
Many times, the men stand alone. Sometimes, they may, they may be asked to stand in the midst of a majority that utterly despise them and want to see them dead. And sometimes, that did in fact happen. But this is the pure moral definition of heroism. There is a cry in this nation for a hero to emerge. As the world conforms to the globalist image, there will be a man who will emerge and claim to be that hero. This man will bring the world under his control. And the world is going that way with technology especially, and it's nearly attainable. Before the, he, the true hero emerges, this man of sin will rise as described in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 2-4. through 4. It says, quote, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that as he, that he as God sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. End quote. This is talking about the Antichrist. Now his reign will be a short seven years, and then our true hero will emerge on the scene. That hero is Jesus Christ. And in Revelation 19, you can totally see how that story plays out. Though we know the end of the story... Let's not have the defeatist mentality. We are not just to stand idly by and just wait for Jesus to return. We are to get busy and not only strive to change the culture that we currently live in through the gospel, but stand upon the values that the Lord set forth from the foundation of the world. We are told in type within Jesus' parable in Luke 19 that we're to occupy until he comes. In that story, the word occupy is not used in a passive fashion. We need heroic men and women of character today to stand up for what they believe. We need heroic men and women of God to look evil in the face and say, enough is enough. We need heroic men and women of God to stand despite being outnumbered and almost seemingly being outpowered to stand filled with the Holy Ghost and the power of the Almighty God, stand against evil. Now, until the true hero, Jesus Christ, emerges, we need heroes today to take and make that stand. Let it be you. I want to thank you for listening, and be sure to follow us on the podcast media. Take a look at our website, OurMightyFortress.com, and subscribe for more updates. Stay tuned next time for more great content, and remember to find your refuge and strength in Our Mighty Fortress.